Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold. Choose Prime Elite 23 and 25 plus calf milk replacer for healthy, thriving calves this year. Welcome to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk program with John O'Connor. Later in the program, Amy Ford, Deputy News Editor, Irish Farmers Journal, on the potential impact of loss of nitrates derogation. John Moriarty, Chagas Dairy Advisor on grass supplies, clover management, winter fodder and agnav. IFA National Sheep Committee Chair Mr Kevin Comiskey says difficulties in the sheep sector are increasing as factories drop prices yet again. Mr Comiskey says the sheep sector in Ireland is now at a critical point with market prices failing to reflect the production cost increases farmers have had to endure over the past two years. The income levels on sheep farms last year dropped, he said, to just €7 per ewe, which includes the SWS payment in 2022. Later in the programme, we talk to the IFA National Sheep Chair, Mr Kevin Comiskey, regarding this aspect of sheep production. Listeners are reminded the 2023 Barry Row Show is taking place today, Saturday, 8th of July. With more on this, show chairman, Mr John O'Brien. Barry Row Show is on, on always on the second Saturday of July. So this year is the 8th of July at the um, GA pitch in Barry Row, Parky Morocco. Okay, and we're very thankful for the use of the pitch uh, from the GA. Um, so then the postcode for that for anyone that's into technology is P72KP04. Okay, so anyway, it's our 65th annual show, and you know we came back with a bang last year. We had a great show uh, post COVID. So now we're looking forward to an, an even better show this year. So anyway, look, it's our 65th show, as I said. It's, it's, it's a great opportunity to showcase what's good about the Barry Row and West Cork area. And it's a tremendous opportunity um, for people to get together, meet friends and neighbours far and wide from abroad. A lot of people went from abroad for the show um, to meet, catch up with friends and family. So it's a tremendous day in the parish. And we're very fortunate that um, there is um, an abundance of room around the pitch. There's a secondary pitch, which we have use of as well. So we always have ample parking, so you can drive right into the, into the facility, so there's no need to be getting shuttle buses or anything like that. And it's all uh, very well manned and stored, so there's no problem with traffic getting away in the evening or anything like that. But the important thing to mention is it would be signposted from Clannacilty and from Bandon. So... If you follow the signpost, you'll have no problem getting to Barry Row Pitch, where the show will be on. But, um, you know, if you look up the, the postcode, is P72KP04. So if you put that into your phone and Google Maps, it'll get you straight to the gate. So, no, the, the facilities, John, we're, we're so fortunate to have the facilities we have. They're excellent facilities. Plenty parking, plenty room. Uh, it's, it's a tremendous venue. It's, it's one of the safest and one of the most, uh, you know, amenable venues. Um, in the county for a show. It is the pitch. We have the show in the pitch, but uh, we clean up on the evening and you can actually play a match there the following day. So, you know, it, it, it's a great community event, great community support, and uh, everyone enjoys the day. Thank you, John. Mr. John O'Brien, Chair of the 2023 Barry Row Agricultural Show. An exceptionally early start to the 2023 cereal harvest has seen combines moving into winter barley across the south of the country. So far, reports of yields are steady at about 3.5 tonnes an acre and over. 
Reports suggest that while the harvest date might be rather early, yields are unlikely to break records as the difficult autumn sowing season and late spring impacted on crops. The Australian beef industry has ramped up its beef exports to the United Kingdom already, with Australian beef imports into the UK almost quadrupling for the first month of this free trade deal. The trade deal, which came into effect on 1st of June this year, has seen 384 tonnes imported in June this year, compared with just under 80 tonnes for June last year, 22. The new trade deal will see tariff-free access for 20,000 tonnes of Australian beef per calendar year, rising to 110,000 tonnes tariff-free by 2033. Meat and Livestock Australia predicts beef production will grow by 37% from 2022 to 2025 on the back of increased animal numbers. JBS, one of the world's largest meat processing companies, is targeting the UK market with loins and hindquarter cuts. Reports indicate lamb prices have fallen by between 50 cents a kg and 60 cents a kg, or by 10 euro to 12 euro per head on a 20 kg carcass over the last week. The cut follows a period of peak processing when 132,000 head were processed in the two weeks coinciding with the Islamic Holy Festival, some 25,000 animals above normal. Base factory quotes for Thursday range from €7 a kg to €7.10 a kg, plus QA payments, with top prices of €7.35 a kg to €7.40 a kg. Processors cite reduced demand and markets readjusting for falling prices. There is also more lower-priced New Zealand and Australian lamb entering the UK market. Farmgate lamb prices at the end of June in Australia and New Zealand are reported by the European Commission at just €3.50 a kg and €3.80 a kg respectively, with concerns mounting over tariff-free trade agreements. Timber price survey shows price stability, but sellers should look for best quotes. IFA National Farm Forestry Chair Mr Jason Fleming said the IFA timber price survey from April to June 23 shows no significant change in prices received across all timber products since the first quarter of the year. Mr Fleming said timber prices have shown consistency in the first half of this year 23 with prices reflecting the steady market demand. He said that stability in timber prices for 23 will be welcomed by farmers with forestry after the uncertainty of market conditions in the last few years. Some examples, he said the roadside prices quoted for Sitka spruce timberware, for example, pulpwood prices range from €35 Euro to €45 Euro per tonne. Steakwood prices range from €42 Euro to €52 Euro per tonne. Pallet wood prices range from €50 Euro a tonne to €80 Euro a tonne, depending on the length produced. Saw log prices range from €83 Euro to €110 Euro per tonne. Jason Fleming said the prices quoted in the IFA Farm Forestry Timber Market Report were sourced from forest owners, forestry companies and from sawmills. Jason Fleming concluded that despite the consistency in the prices, there is significant variation in prices quoted, particularly those prices being quoted directly to farmers. This highlights, he said, the importance of farmers shopping around and keeping up to date with the timber markets and prices. The IFA Timber Price Survey can be accessed on the 
IFA internet site. The nation's 13 MEPs have been invited to outline their position on the proposed EU nature restoration law at a farmer meeting organised by independent TDs Michael Fitzmaurice and Marion Harkin on Sunday 9th of July. The MEPs will have the chance to say where they stand on the controversial proposals just days before all MEPs begin to vote on them in the European Parliament. Ultimately, these votes will determine whether the law is to be scrapped outright or amended and passed. The farmer meeting for Ireland's 30 MEPs will take place at 1pm on Sunday 9th of July. The venue will be Shearwater Hotel, Ballinasloe, County Roscommon. This week, Fianna Fáil MEP Billy Kelleher and Fianna Gael MEP Colin Markey both suggested they would back a version of the law that had softer targets and more flexibility than had been originally proposed for the nature restoration law. Joining us on the farm programme, Miss Amy Ford, Deputy News Editor, Irish Farmers Journal. Amy, welcome to the programme. Now, in the journal this week, you highlight the threat to derogation. And, in fact, uh, the Minister of Agriculture at uh, Moore Park 23 said he'd be doing everything he could to try and maintain derogation, but he felt it might be a big ask. That's correct, John. So, uh, last week, the EPA published a report and briefed the Department of Agriculture about... Um, its water quality trend report, which would essentially determine um, whether Ireland's nitrates derogation should be cut from 250 kilos of organic nitrogen per hectare down to 220. Um, and there's about 7,000 farmers, majority of them dairy, that are operating under a nitrates derogation. Um, so this is going to have a major change basically on those farmers and on other farmers such as dry stock and tillage farmers um, because it is probably going to drive um, the land market into overdrive um, because in order to either comply with the 250 farmers or the 220 farmers will need to either export slurry, cut cow numbers or buy extra land and buying extra land is obviously uh, or leasing extra land is the one that's obviously um, what farmers will probably most likely want to do if they want to continue on with production. Now the Minister told uh, those in Moorpark uh, last week that the stakes or this week that the stakes are high for maintaining the derogation um, he said unless we're bringing down the nitrogen we spread and unless we're actually improving water quality we're not going to be able to continue to get the derogation at European level and he said that um, there's a complacency among Ireland's farmers and farm organisations that just because Ireland is a grass-based production system that the Commission will continue to grant a derogation um, long term and he said that needs to be knocked on its head essentially because we need to work to keep it. Farming organisations, they are questioning the EPA study they seem to infer it's flawed in some way. Yeah, that's correct and we were reporting that this week so um, there are certain areas of the country which are possibly going to retain their derogation so essentially the EPA published a map and it's taken out large swathes of the country um, where the derogation will fall to 220. But not included are those areas around the river catchments in Cork, such as the Bandon and the Blackwater and the Slaney and Wexford, even though these rivers were previously flagged as being too high in nitrates in a 2021 report. So the farm organisations have called, Tim Cullinan has called, in the IFA has called for um, a proper study with proper data on the water quality trends uh, to determine whether they've been cut. So he's basically calling for a full island study, really. Um, and then Pat McCormick in the ICMSA, he's saying that 
Ireland is introducing measures and then they don't even wait to see whether they work or not before introducing the next round of measures. So the measures that are in place aren't given the time to work is essentially his argument. Um, and he's saying that government has to stop making policy on the hoof um, and basically take another look at it and allow measures that have been put in place to actually give them actually time to work. In previous water quality reports, the, the most recent one before this one, um, it did show you know, not much of a move in the dial in terms of water quality. Um, but then again, the other measures, you know, they're going to take time to work. Like you're not going to flick a switch and suddenly everything improves. Like they are going to take time to improve. And I'm sure as time goes on that they will improve. But um, that's not the criteria that was set down in the derogation. Um, there was to be a midterm review for the derogation and that's where we are now. And if water quality trends did not improve, um, then the derogation will be cut. That was simply the, the fact that the the condition that was granted when we were granted the derogation in the first place, that if water quality trends didn't improve, then um, the derogation would have to be cut. And that's essentially where we find ourselves now. And elsewhere in the Irish Farmers Journal this week, stocking rate limit set to inflate land prices, linked, of course, to the European Union's nitrates directive and the EPA report and derogation, etc. But... I believe from January 1st, 2024, the nitrates delegation of farmers will be limited and that in turn could inflate land prices. Yeah, John, and, you know, we've, we've seen it this year and last year even as well. Um, you know, land prices going through the roof, record land prices, land leasing prices. Um, so essentially dairy farmers that are in a derogation now, are there's going to be even more increased competition for land uh, to offset the impact of the cut in the derogation. Um, and that is going to impact the likes of dry stock farmers buying or leasing land and as well tillage farmers who are majority of them lease, lease land, a good chunk of land. And that is going to um, impact those sectors outside of dairy. And obviously the Tagus National Farm Survey for 2022 showed that dairy incomes um, you know, reached record highs last year and they really have more firepower to go out and compete for that land. The other angle to that is Obviously, milk prices have taken a massive tumble this year, um, so incomes won't be as high compared to last year. They are going to fall, um, but it will play a part in the land market dynamics. And just to sum up, uh, the Irish Farmers Journal, you quote one small section of an IFA analysis, and that suggests that uh, dairy farmers would need to access an extra 28,000 hectares to avoid culling 50,000 cows. Yeah, that's right. Um, we also have a study this week, or a story online this week from a farmer down in Timalee, and he's at 80 cows and he's stocked at 250 kilos of nitrogen, organic nitrogen per hectare. Um, the cut to 220 means he's going to have to cut 10 cows from his herd or else lease more land or buy more land to offset the the hectare size at the art office the, the cut in the derogation um so he's one example uh but as you said the ifa analysis does show that um if we do if, if, the, if the derogation is cut and it's highly likely that it will be that dairy farmers will need to find an extra twenty eight thousand hectares um to avoid cutting cow numbers thank you very much indeed for that uh, background miss amy ford deputy news editor irish farmers journal and the full story in this week's irish farmers journal July 8, 2023. Amy, thank you very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thanks, John. Mr. John Moriarty, Chagas Dairy Advisor, Middleton Chagas Advisory Office, joins us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme. First of all, John, welcome to the programme. Now, first of all, in our chat today, 
grass supplies. What's the current grass situation on farms in our area? Has the situation improved since the recent dry spell we had? Grass supplies were very tight on many farmers, but any improvement in the situation vis-a-vis grass? Yes, John, the situation has improved significantly over the last number of weeks. So uh, just looking at pasture-based data there, um, the average farm cover on dairy farms has increased to uh, just over 700 kilos of dry matter um, per hectare. Um, on dry sock farms, that's increased further to over 770 kilos of dry matter per hectare. Um, we've seen growths of 64 uh, kilos of dry matter um, over the past week. And when you look at the demand in of 52 kilos of dry matter, uh, growth is um, once again surpassed demand on farms. So I suppose... We, we're still dealing with the uh, grass quality challenge um, since the dry spell. Um, it's an issue on many farms. Um, the the quality um, deteriorated during the dry spell, and um, that that that's continuing to linger. So I suppose, what can we do to improve that situation? Um, we can keep grazing at the optimal covers of thirteen to fourteen hundred kilos of dry matter and reduce surpluses or remove surpluses as necessary um, and as they arise. Then in terms of um, maybe some stimier paddocks on the farm, um, look, some of those might be earmarked to be taken out as surplus bales in the next round and it might be necessary to top, um, top some paddocks but it's worth bearing in mind that um, blanket topping will suppress um, the overall farm growth. I suppose a key thing to bear in mind um, over the next few weeks is that we now have about two rotations left until we start building our our autumn grass. And um, so that gives us two rotations to improve grass quality and get it to where we want it to be so that we can start building our autumn grass from a high quality base, which will sustain higher quality grass into the autumn. Clover has been increasing in popularity in recent years in farms. What should farmers be doing from a clover management point of view at the moment? You know, by happy coincidence, just as the price of fertiliser, artificial fertiliser, was surging in price, we looked closer at the great um, nitrogen-fixing properties of clover. So, clover, what should farmers be doing from a clover management point of view at the moment? Clover has been increasing in popularity over the last number of years. Um, the, it has been a requirement of the nitrous derogation to include clover in reseeds, which has um, led to being established on many farms. Um, many farms have um, used the clover to reduce their nitrogen fertiliser use and have seen great results. And um, now is a great time of the year for those who maybe haven't um, experimented with reducing their nitrogen to uh, to do so and to um, to fully utilize the the clover and um, its nitrogen fixing properties so an example of this would have been seen um, at the moor park open day on the 4th of july um, and an example that was there was the clover 150 trial which they're carrying out um, in this trial they they continue with the same nitrogen strategy in spring as um, as would traditionally have been carried out on all grass wards. But once the clover content um, reached optimal level in the May or June 
um, time of year and the nitrogen usage was halved. So in this case, it was reduced to nine um, kilograms per hectare per round, which um, could lead to significant saving and is worthwhile for, for anybody who hasn't um, started reducing their nitrogen and utilising their clover to do so now over the coming weeks when clover is um, entering it, its, um, its most productive time. Now, ensuring you're going to have enough fodder for the winter, fodder supplies were tight coming into last winter following the drought and extra feeding was required during poor weather earlier this year in spring. Now, as a general question, looking at some kind of review, are there sufficient fodder stocks on farms for the coming winter, as far as you can see, John, from your survey of the situation? So will there be sufficient fodder stocks available on farms for the coming winter? Yeah, just looking at my own client base, um, there's, there is some variability on the, the fodder supply. Um, but for anybody who has any questions around their fodder supply, um, would be highly recommended now to complete a fodder budget this stage for your farm and to assess what, what's currently on the farm and then project forward any um, second cuts or, um, or third cuts that are expected to come and um, you know see, see where the farm stands at the moment and if intervention is required it's much better to that that intervention takes place um, sooner rather than later whether that is in securing extra winter feed or possibly um, the, the, the sale of surplus stock, um, which would reduce um, the demand on grass at the moment and might um, enable us to preserve um, further silage um, before the winter. Speaking to Mr John Moriarty, Chagas Dairy Advisor, Chagas Middleton Advisory Office. John, looking at some of the key considerations now that the breeding season is entering the latter stages in farms. So what would some of the key considerations be for farmers at this point in time? So many farms are now in their 10th, 10th, 11th or 12th weeks of of breeding at this stage. And I suppose just a key date that... um, we, we need to bear in mind out the moment is that if we wish to finish calving by the end of April next year, um, we're looking at removing the, the bull in around the 20th of July, um, which is quickly approaching. Um, so I suppose farmers should consider their um, breeding start date and in, endeavour to have a break between um, calving and the start of breeding in 2024. You know, this is very important to, I suppose, give ourselves a rest after the busy calving season. Um, it allows time to focus on, on a pre-breeding strategy a- ahead of the, the following breeding season and allows us to prepare adequately for the following breeding season as well. And, of course, um, later calving cows, um, they're calving in late April, May and June, will have a significantly reduced um, annual milk yield compared to those were calving earlier so there, there's a, a financial um, gain there as well to, to tighten up our, our calving spread. Now looking back just very recently the Park Open Day took place on 4th of July. I understand that farmers who visited the Signpost Village got their first look at Agnav. Can you explain exactly what Agnav is and how farmers 
who will use it can reduce emissions from their farms. So Agnav, the background to Agnav, John. Yes, John, Agnav is um, a computer program that is central to the new Chagas Signpost Advisory Program, um, which was launched recently. Um, I thought the aim of this advisory program is to achieve a 25% reduction in agricultural emissions by 2030. Um, this will be done by focusing on uh, profitability and um, economic um, economics as well as um, looking at the factors that can reduce emissions on farms. So um, for any farmer that's interested in this um, signpost advisory program, first of all, um, they can apply online through the Chagas website or by contacting their local Chagas office. Um, so the steps involved are attendance at a workshop where you will um, learn about your own um, your own starting point or your own base figure and then about the activities on your farm that have an influence and the information for this will be gathered from ICBF and the BORBIA Sustainability Survey and will uh, feed into the AGNAV programme. So um, upon establishing your, your um, starting point, um, you then make a plan with the assistance of an advisor, which will be tailor-made for, for each farm, which will give you a roadmap of how to achieve a 25% reduction in emissions by 2030. So I the AGNAV tool is a tool that allows um, information on farms to be pulled together um, in one place. So we have the ICBF data and the, the BORBIA data, as an example, being pulled into the AGNAV. Um, it will give you your current carbon footprint figure and then look at the ways um, that he, and the technologies you can implement to reduce um, the greenhouse gas and ammonia emissions from your farm. And the, the key areas that will be looked at are well-known um, and have have been spoken about before, such as protected urea, low emission story spreading, and clover, um, which all allow a, a reduction in nitrogen use. And we're very confident that all these technologies can be implemented, um, that they will enable us to reduce emissions, but also um, maintain and increase the profitability of farms at the same time. Agnav, A-G-N-A-V, capital A, capital N, Agnav, certainly very useful indeed for farmers who might like to check out the Chagas site and check out Agnav and see how they can help reduce emissions from their farm. So thank you very much for joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk Programme. Mr. John Moriarty, Chagas Dairy Advisor, Middleton Advisory Office with Chagas. Thank you very much indeed, John. Thanks a million. Thank you, John. You're very welcome. Joining us, Mr. Kevin Comiskey, IFA National Sheep Chair. Kevin, welcome to the programme. Bad news, 20 cents to 30 cents a kg cut to the lamb price, or possibly even worse. Uh, thanks, John. Yeah, um, look at it is. Uh, unfortunately, it's, it's even more of a cut. We have seen up to 60 cents in the last week or 10 days uh, cut per ki- price per kilo. Um, you know, and it's uh, it's unacceptable, and that's we're putting pressure on the factories and and the factories and the retailers and and uh, processors to have more to play to to return a better uh, market price for the for the lamb and for the farmer. Um, also, Borbia has a role to play in this to get extra markets as well. 
So, um, yes, and along with that, uh, the Minister has a big role to play here and uh, we have I have requested a meeting with the Minister and we have a good budget uh, submission to put together and we're still battling on for the €30, Euros, but we have to get supports now for the, the sector. The Minister has to come real like he, he has supported other sectors in, in different ways and uh, he has basically neglected the, the sheep sector and I have to see and get supports from that angle too. The importation of lambs, be it from uh, Northern Ireland, uh, six counties, or from overseas or New Zealand, importation of sheep and lambs, is that an important aspect to the market here, keeping prices down, you know, lowering prices, talking down prices? The biggest problem, lambs coming from Northern Ireland and even carcass lamb coming in from England is, is an issue, all right. But the biggest, the biggest problem, and that has always been coming in from Northern Ireland, it has always happened. But as you might be aware there as well, I was elected vice president at Copa Cogiga in Brussels there recently. And I've been out and met with counterparts out there from Spain, Portugal, France, all these other countries. The big issue here we have is the European Commission uh, negotiated a bad deal as far as I'm concerned for uh, sheep farmers. And that's why we say the, the message I was getting clear from the Brussels uh, meeting that I had. That's where uh, we have to get supports from our local government and from the EU because the lamb is coming in with the trade deals that's done there. Lamb is coming in from New Zealand and coming in from Australia. And at the minute, the figures there for lamb has been produced in New Zealand and Australia um, between in the region of 350 to 4 euros a kilo. And when you see us at around 7 euros a kilo, it's difficult and nearly impossible to compete with that. They're bringing in the lamb, they're holding it in fridges and freezers, and when the price is under pressure, uh, they dump it in on the market then. So that's the big issue that we have. The New Zealand and Australian lamb is a huge issue for us, for the market class. And the Brexit situation, the deal sheep farmers in the European Union got under the Brexit deal, do you feel that in terms of quotas, etc., that the European sheep farmers, of course, Irish sheep farmers in particular, that you know, a bad deal was done, as you've hinted there, at EU level. They took their eye off the ball, and now we have, we're members of the European Union, but with the Brexit situation, we didn't get what we were fully entitled to as full members of the European Union and still competing with imports from Brexit countries, from the, from the UK and New Zealand, etc., that's right, and it's it's negotiated as far as I'm concerned, a bad deal for uh, for sheep farmers, and there's uh, quotas there being filled now, and it was in in a couple of years there that it was going that uh, New Zealand and Australian lamb, the majority or the bulk of it was going uh, across to China, but um, China has while the economy is building a base over there again, it's not taking near the amount of land that it was in with say 20 and 2021. So that's where, where the effect has, and we have. To, that's why I'm saying we have to get supports there. Uh, the minister has come out and he, he has said, you know, he's given different uh, industries and different sectors uh, Brexit support funding. There's a billion there of that money, and unfortunately, I think some of it will go back unspent. And he's just reluctant and doesn't want to give any of it to the sheep sector. He's saying that the sheep sector wasn't affected by Brexit, and. I'm saying the direct opposite because I can see and statistics is there that it is affected and was affected. And these trade deals is having a huge effect, uh, bad trade deals with the 
land coming into the UK and then it's been distributed out again across Europe. Now, Kevin, nearly every agricultural activity seems to be linked going hand-in-hand with greenhouse gas emissions and methane generation, but I think some studies recently have shown that sheep, vis-a-vis other sectors, sheep, you know, you could help bring down greenhouse gases by sheep breeding certain breeds of sheep and continuing progress in breeding a certain line could, in fact, be very useful in bringing down our methane generation, gas emissions, and in terms of uh, Ireland fulfilling our targets? Of course. uh, The sheep sector is the most friendly sector, uh, environmentally friendly sector that we have in Ireland. And I don't know, a debate there recently with with, um, Corey Fogarty um, from the Wildlife Trust and that, and he said uh, he was saying take away the wild Roman sheep of hills and everything. Um, he had no mention at all about uh, human emissions and per per person were the highest emitters of greenhouse gases in Europe. And yet you have these type of people that wants to, to attack the wild Roman sheep. Um, basically nonsense, John, is what I call it. Yes, the sheep sector is the most friendly way of producing meat and producing food in the country. And definitely it, it's, uh, it's a way that we should be supporting and, and encouraging. And, of course, some people in a very hostile way a few years ago now, but they were attacking sheep and sheep on the mountains as, quote, the woolly locusts denuding the mountains. But in actual fact, as you've said there, environmentally, they can be extremely friendly and extremely supportive of our overall plan to try and keep agriculture going, but at the same time control more greenhouse gas emissions. Exactly, and and um, look at when they, they talk back as far as 2002, there was instructions coming from the department and government that the you know destocking and hills, and they quickly reversed that because they seen the value that sheep was doing grazing and it, uh, taking out these invasive species, species, especially on hills, and um, if that wasn't done, it'd grow up a white kiwi type grass, especially out on the hills and the heathers, and then people would be standing back and they'd be looking up when it would go on fire and they'd be wondering with their mouths open what happened. And we've seen a clear example of this in 2022 um, when, when uh, the, in Hoth in Dublin where it was, it was devastated by fires and the, the goats from Mayo was delighted when they were relocated and, and tasked to uh, graze the mountains and stop this from being happening again. So, like, there has to be a balance in this and, and look at it, but sheep is very environmentally friendly on that aspect. Now, here in Ireland, we don't think immediately of a connection between high-quality, expensive uh, cheeses and diversification in the sheep sector. We don't seem to link, you know, sheep production with production of excellent cheeses, as happens in other jurisdictions. But I know at one point you saw great hope in some younger people who are starting off um, cheese production with sheep down near Cashel, I believe, in College Tipperary. That's right. That's right, indeed. And we had an Arachthus uh, uh, debate, and we were in on the Arachthus uh, and the sheep sector, and the two Cross brothers was there from Cashel and Tipperary, um, where they're milking yos and, and that, and uh, doing a great job at it. And it's an enterprise that will and can be done in, in parts of the country. It'll suit certain parts, maybe more than better, or maybe out on the hills. It might work as good, where I was talking about. But um, certainly there's a, there's a, an opening there for it, and 
they give a great uh, presentation that day in the Arachnus uh, of the opportunities that is out there for the sheep sector in, in producing uh, sheep milk and sheep cheese and that. And certainly, Kevin, that was on TV. That was uh, filmed on TV, and a lot of people saw that. And it certainly, you know, it was very interesting to see how you could have Irish sheep producing high-quality, rather expensive, relatively speaking, cheeses for uh, the export market in particular. We turn now to the general picture as regards the sheep. In the Irish Farmers' Journal, they devote a lot of time to sheep in the current issue, Saturday, 8th of July, 2023, but summertime actions to mind for the sheep improvement scheme, parasite control, fly strike control, mineral supplementation of lambs, pre-weaning, meal feeding, etc., etc. But any general tips for farmers to remind sheep farmers of some aspects of the sheep improvement scheme they should be, you know, paying a bit of attention to? Um, yes, the sheep improvement scheme there, and unfortunately, that's where we have been uh, lobbying the, the minister. We've seen it, it carried on from the sheep welfare scheme, where we were getting uh, 10 euros. It was obtained and got by the sheep committee that time in 2016. And we've been lobbying the minister for an increase in that payment for, uh, since. And uh, came forward with 2 euros in the cap payment, said that it, it was bringing it, moving it into the cap and that we're going to have this sheep improvement scheme and give a 2 euros increase. I always said and have been quoted saying that 2 euros, the only value that I see it having is getting a trolley in your local supermarket. Um, it was basically an insult to farmers, but there's a lot of things there that can be done. We have, uh, on the wool aspect of it, there's, uh, the shearing is a high cost, uh, task on farms we're getting very little uh, to no reward for the wool so we said between the shearing and the presentation of the wool there's eight euros could be done there uh, you rightly pointed out about the mineral aspects um, The also introduced you have to buy a four or five star uh, ram you have to nominate the year which we didn't agree and we're still fighting with them saying that it's going to create uh, a, de- a demand out there that the demand that they might be able to be filled for these four or star, five star rams, and it's going to inflate the price as well. So, it's um, while the four and five star ram is is probably good and will you know help to increase the, the quality of lambs and that produced. But we said it should be over the five year period. Um, there's all different aspects, fly uh, fly control and all that. Whatever tasks uh, you have ticked in the box for to participate in the scheme, you, you'll be doing that. But Farmers uh, be doing the most of that work uh, anyway, and um, but that's what we regard even in leakage, that if we get money, you know, we're doing that uh, for the sheep shearing, we're doing it for the presentation of the wool and that. So you want to see as little leakage as possible when it comes to the payment. A question that's been arising in some people's minds, you know, you read about EID tagging and uh, the Irish Independent Supplement July 4th poses the question, is tagging sheep worth the time and the cost? Well, look at it. This was introduced a couple of years ago as well, John. It was something that was forced in upon us, uh, the electronic tagging, and we were said that we were going to get, uh, you know, extra markets out of us, and that it was where we were going to get into Spain and all these markets, and indeed these markets was announced and said that we could get into them. Uh, the same thing with the American market. We were uh, access to the American market. The ministers come in and they make these statements in the doll. Um, 
while you see a lot of things even going on at the minute about what, how people in different payments and tribunals that's going on at the minute, how people was being misled, how, how uh, things. But the farmers, I feel, was being misled by these statements because we have seen no access to uh, the Chinese market or to the American market. And access is like I described it the other day to a farmer. It's like standing on, standing on one side of the River Shannon and a man saying to you, you can have access to my land across there. But how do you get across that river? So yeah, yeah, we don't have access yet to the markets because we're getting no meat out there. And the government and the department and the officials, the vets, uh, the vets have to get this access and get it up and running immediately because there's a huge crowd, uh, as you'd well appreciate, of Irish uh, immigrants out there in America. And they're only too willing uh, to buy these, uh, to buy the lamb. I was talking to a processor the other day that, uh, was out there, and he is a hotelier that has 2,000 clients that are by the lamb, but yet we can't supply it. It's, it's uh, not a good situation, and the minister again, and the department, has to act on that. And going back several months in Germany, I got reports there where a lot of Germans turned up to a big exhibition hoping to sample Irish organic lamb, and in fact... Uh, Whatever happened, whatever got mixed up, um, some of the Germans said they couldn't get their hands on actual Irish organic lamb to sample and eat it. But again, as you've said there, the markets seem to be there if only we can organise. And uh, in that way, they'll increase the prosperity of sheep farmers. And again, it's the whole buzzword and very essential, of course, with global warming. But looking at, we we'll say, the Irish Independent Tuesday, July 4th farming section there, farmers can breed, quote, more sustainable sheep with no impact on performance. And as we discussed earlier in our brief conversation, that's something very important. We don't often hear of the hugely important role sheep can play and can increase our exports and uh, exports of very specialised products like that cheese, etc. Do you see a viable, prosperous future for the Irish sheep sector if we can only work closely with the Minister and get the Minister to understand what the real requirements are, what the real developments must be. Of course, I do, and I would be positive for the sector, and at no time would I ever say be, be uh, negative. There is opportunities there, and young farmers has to be encouraged into it and get young farmers, you know. And We're producing meat for, for a worldwide market, a high-quality, nutritious uh, product, and is it, we need support. We need support from the government. If, if they want uh, cheap, high quality food the the government and the eu has to has to support the farmers and the minister has a big role to play in this while the market will you know it will be up and down and the markets and we'll have the battles with the factories and processors but to sustain it properly the minister has a role there to play a huge role and of course recently you were appointed to a very important role at eu level it's uh copa cogiga is the name of it it's where uh, has their offices out in brussels and it's all the member states uh it's for the sheep and goat meat production, and it's a, a board there or a, a committee there, and it's all there's members from each country has a as a member on that board from as I said France, uh, Portugal, Germany, all over the world, uh, or all over the EU, and I was elected. The Spanish man was elected uh, president of it, and I was elected vice president. Thank you, Kevin, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thank you. Thank you. And that's the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme for now. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to our contributors, Barry O'Mahony, 96FM and C103 News Editor, Murray Tuig, 96FM and C103 News Reporter, and also creator of the Farm Talk Podcasts.
A very special thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Saturday mornings, 7am to 8am, and Wednesday evenings, the midweek edition, 10pm to 11pm. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold. Choose Prime Elite 23 and 25 plus calf milk replacer for healthy, thriving calves this year.